On December 30th, 2000, in the Setagaya Ward of Tokyo, Japan, the four members of the Miyazawa family are brutally murdered. Rather than fleeing the scene, the killer remained in the house for several hours, and although he left behind a substantial amount of evidence, including his own blood and fingerprints, he has never been identified. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the Setagaya family murder. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist, damn near flooded, once again, basement in the bowels of Georgia. It just will not stop raining. We have literally had, after this rainstorm is over, we will have had almost 10 inches of rain in three weeks. Well, if it was possible that it could actually be winter time, it would have been snow. And I, I would have been, been ass deep to the Jolly Green Giant as much as it's rained. I would have been so happy for snow. I love it. Even on your Christmas break? I don't care when I get it. I mean, if I, I mean, if I get snow and have to miss work, that is just like the icing on the cake. But I'll take it during. Uh, I'll take it during my uh, Christmas break. Yeah. So tonight, since we clearly are pandering to our uh, audience. Yeah, we have no shame. Since we discovered that we're actually kind of popular in Japan, we're doing a Japanese case. And it is the Setagaya family murder. If we, uh, we're going to keep pandering, look for a case in Malta. It's coming, guys. You guys in Malta, thanks for the support. We are the 25th ranked podcast. In true crime of Malta. Oh, is it true crime or is it all podcast? The category was true crime. Oh, oh man, that's I mean that's still... we're in three categories over there. We're eighty six in education and uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> and then forty fifth in something else. I can't remember politics. I don't know how the hell it, because we're so politically yeah, correct. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, twenty fifth in Malta. We're gonna we're gonna have to hit you guys up. So. Be on the lookout for it. Thanks for the support. And hit us up on our our social media. We'd like to hear from you guys. That'd be wonderful. Just to get some feedback or just to say what's up. I would like to give a shout out to the Love Detective. She started following us on Instagram. And for those of you that actually listen week to week, you will know that she is the main person involved with Helen Gone. And our Janie Ward case. She did an eight-episode podcast, season two of Helen Gone. So it's a very popular episode, man. I yes, thought we is. did pretty good on it. There's we, some I think that are better than others, but I think we did Janie. Justice. I think we did good on that yeah. one. As we alluded to, wait, hold on. Now we got a five-star review. We got to oh, read that. Right. We do have a five. Jasmine's star. Dragon. That's a badass name. Thank you for your support. Said, if you enjoy conversational podcasts about mysteries, this one is awesome. These guys are funny, insightful, and opinionated. Their missing 411-ish case episodes are my favorite. We are going to have to do a 411. It's so complicated, though. It's so many. 
I don't know if we can do an overview of the whole 411 or just focus on a specific four, missing 411. I think page. we could do a specific. I think there's enough out there for. We could pick three and do a podcast. Like that on one where the dude just. He says he's going to go skiing one more time and then ends up. Gone. He's skiing in like upstate New York or New Hampshire or something and he's gone for a month and he fucking calls his wife from San Diego or some shit. <laughs> Has no recollection yeah, of it. No idea how he got there. Which is what I would tell her too. <laughs> but there was massive amounts of cocaine and here's, strippers. Here's San Diego, and he's still wearing his damn snowsuit. Yeah, that's what. That's what's up. crazy. Uh, but no, thank you very much for your support, and we will try to look into a four one one case very, very soon. And you know, the best part about this review is we it's genuine. We don't know this person. Yeah, not a family member. <laughs> we don't work with them. Yeah, it's not somebody we said, "Hey, man." Why don't you go give us a review? This is like a genuine one. So that makes it even better. So the case is an unsolved uh, Japanese murder case, and it is located in basically a suburb of Tokyo. Well, what makes this so strange is, A, there's not many murders in, in Japan. B, there's a hell of a lot less unsolved murders in Japan because they have a really good police force. They have an abundantly large amount of people that are going to look at this case. And speaking of Tokyo, that is tippy top of my list of places I want to go. There's outside of this country, I want to visit all 50 states, of course. I got about half of them down. London, number one. Tokyo, number two. And I'm going to London in June, so Tokyo's got to come up soon. Would you like to visit Tokyo, Arlo? Would you Would you like to participate in the podcast? Just yeah, gonna, I'm just going to zone out of it. <laughs> just going to let me keep on talking? No, I'm, I'm done. I'm just done with it. No, I would love to go to uh, Tokyo. Uh, a buddy of mine that I used to, well, we worked with him. Um, he helped me coach um, softball. He was stationed in Japan, and how that man is not wanted by the Japanese military and police, I still don't know. He single-handedly destroyed a bar. He said the last thing he remembered before jumping into the cab, yelling in broken Japanese to get him to the base, was he took a little Japanese guy, and just like the movies, he drug him through down the bar and through a plate glass window. Yeah, I don't believe that, but I'm going to believe that you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, here's why I believe it. He was stationed with another guy that I actually run into that didn't know that I knew him. And so I baited him into seeing well, if he knew that the, guy. That guy's super nice, he dude. Is, he was a prick back when he was <laughs> in the military. All right. So back to the case. We are talking about the Setagaya district of Tokyo. And basically, that is a suburb of Tokyo. And it's more northern Tokyo. It is less congested. Well, in the early nineties it was a it was a thriving suburb, about two hundred families living there, but there becomes an issue with the skate park that is basically right up against the uh the Miyazawa family's property. And people start moving out to get away from the skate park apparently it brings out the ruffians of japan you know the punk kids and the rumor that biker gangs were hanging out there and the 
the city, I guess, I'm not sure who was in charge of it, but they decided that they were actually going to expand the skate park. Yeah, and they started buying up the houses around, and uh, Mia, how the fuck are we going to do this? <laughs> well, we're going to do the same thing that... Miyazawa, I got it. That we're going to do the same thing that every video and every podcast I listen to and or watched about this in the past week, we're going to apologize up front. Yeah. <laughs> So before we get started, because we two dumbass rednecks in Georgia trying to do Japanese, trying names. to pronounce Japanese name, so it'd be like the same thing as if somebody that lives in metropolitan Tokyo trying to pronounce LRJ. Yeah, <laughs> or Lafayette. It's gonna be hard. Yes. Up front, we apologize if we butcher any of these names. We will try our best, but. As it may Coach get said. worse as we go. Yes, it may. <laughs> so, we forgot to mention the beer we're drinking. And we are quite capable of getting beer from Japan because it's been bought out by InBev, so you can't get any damn where. Truth be globalization. Truth be told, it's probably brewed down the road in Cartersville. Yeah, you're right. And they just put the fucking Wrong label, put on, the it. label on it. But uh, we are drinking Kirin. Kirin Ichiban, Japan's prime brew. It's my actually actually my favorite of the mass-produced Japanese beers. Of course, we don't have uh, uh, access to craft brew from Japan, if there is any. But it's very it's a hundred percent malt. It is very crisp, very light, very easily drank, and hopefully light on alcohol because we're gonna probably drink about ten of them. Yeah, finally <laughs> getting into it. This is the murder case of the Miyazawa family. And Japan actually celebrated the new century in 2000 at the beginning of 2001. Yeah, which is what there's what you're supposed, supposed to, do. to do. Yes. But we get we get all jacked up want to drink. <laughs> we can't wait. Yeah. We we celebrate it. So while we were all freaking out saying the new century was coming and it was Y2K the year before, <laughs> Japanese were fucking <laughs> Y2K. I know. The Japanese were laughing their ass off at us and then waited a year yeah. and welcomed in the new century. And the the Japanese New Year is extremely extremely regarded as one of the most important days of the year. Yeah, it's, also, it's like more, you know, as we see it as partying and getting down and getting hammered and all that, they see it as more of a family holo- family oriented holiday. Yes. From my understanding, they And the name of the day is Amisoka. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure that so, was perfectly perfect. I know, I'm killing it. But unfortunately the mark of the new century in Japan has a Black Eye, and this is the unsolved mystery of the Miyazawa family. There was the patriarch, or head of the household in Japan, Mikio Miyazawa. He was 44 years old. He worked for Interbrand, a London-based marketing firm. And most of the research for this case is in Japanese, and my... Poor hick ass can't read Japanese. So I'm sure that if... You, you kidding me. I you know, cannot read Japanese. I know, I've let you down. But Shit, I'm sure I, I that can... we could find someone to research what Mikio did 
four interbrand. Well, whatever it was, he was good at it because he was able to work from home. He had certain his kids' family room, the like the playroom slash study room, was also a, a, a place where he could entertain clients and things of that nature. So he was good at his job. And Interbrand, for those of you that don't know, it's a London-based marketing firm, and they have companies that they represent, such as I don't. You may have heard of some of these. Some of these are maybe, you know, obscure, but they represent Nissan, Xerox, Microsoft. Those and they actually came up with the term in 1999, Wi-Fi. They are the ones to coin the term Wi-Fi. So wow. they're, they're a pretty big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal. And uh, police would interview some of Mikio's fellow co-workers and they said that he was very congenial and they claimed that he was the guy that got along well with everyone definitely not a person that they saw that would make enemies his wife yasuko was 41 years old and she was a teacher she was very kind and compassionate this is reiterated by all of her co-workers as well and the couple had two children Eight-year-old Nainya and six-year-old Ray. Nainya, the daughter, was in the second grade, and basically she was your average, typical little eight-year-old girl. And Ray was the youngest and had been going through a speech impairment issue. And the family was extremely stressed over it, and they were trying extremely hard to get his speech impediment under control but they were extremely worried that he would be unjustly labeled if they couldn't get it under control by the time he started school they uh, like coach said they had actually moved in to their home in 1990 and it was an extremely nice place to raise a family it was on the northern side of Tokyo. For those of you that don't know, Tokyo has basically 23, what we would call in America, suburbs, but they call them districts. And Setagaya is the second largest of them all. And I have just screwed up the whole thing, and it's not north of Tokyo. It is actually southwest of Tokyo. Get your shit together, bro. I know. I've just been killing it. Nobody, (laughs) any, nobody. Thank you for pointing out that I just, like, stuck my foot in my mouth, swallowed it up in my hip. <laughs> now, Setagaya is actually very, a very short distance away from Tokyo Bay. Well, and you have to point out that, again, it is a suburb of Tokyo. Tokyo is one of the most densely populated cities in the entire world. But this suburb is not at all. At one point, there were only 200 families living in the suburb. Because of the skate park and because of various things as well, by the time of the murder, there's going to be four families living in this suburb. Four. Two of which are going to be living in the same house because the house is actually, it's, it's sectioned off. It's a huge house, but sectioned off into a duplex. And, uh, the, the, Miyazawa family. Miyazawa family is going to be living on one side, and then Yusuko's mother, 
her sister and her sister's husband are actually going to be living on the other side. And there's no way to get from one side of the house to the other side without going. You would basically go out a front door and then come. You would have to enter the other residence through another front door. Yeah. And, but looking at the house, it appears extremely large. And the back of it butts up right to the fence of the skate park. And like Coach was saying, there were three other homes or two other homes that were being bought out, basically. And so the Miyazawa family was the la- one of the last families to sell their property to allow for the expansion of the park. Uh, some reports state that basically the neighborhood... Neighborhood. <laughs> How you learn? <laughs> <laughs> shit oh fuck here we go again so depending on what research you do there's some articles out there that state that the Miyazawa's neighborhood was basically a ghost town it certainly is now uh, yeah right before at the time of their murder I think there were their house and two other families on their street and that was it now this is common knowledge this is one of the key things that is stated in just about every article that I could find that was translated to English. Mikio had confronted a group of loud, obnoxious teenagers at the skate park for making too much of a racket. Mm-hmm. And this was the week before New Year's Eve. At around the same time, there was a witness that reported seeing him confront a group of what appeared to be young Basazuka motorcycle gang members. Now, they had purchased another house in the area, and they were looking to move, and I believe they were looking to move, you know, sometime in February or March. Yeah, like, everybody's getting the hell out of this place. Yeah. So, basically, they just had to tough it out, for a couple of months, and they would never have to worry about it again. Unfortunately, they never got the chance. Uh, and this may or may not have anything to do with the case, but it was rumored in the months leading up to their murder that all of the area's animals were being physically tortured or tormented. I would say that has something to do with the case for sure. Um, They would find rodents that had... Because that's always the first sign of a serial killer. Yes. They'd always start small. Defenseless animals, which is it's horrible. It's just horrible. So basically they found a bunch of rats, is what it sounds like, that had been killed. And then the local stray cats had started turning up, missing an eye, missing a tail. Some of them were dead. Oh, my God. Yeah. And if you don't know about that new Netflix documentary, you don't fuck with cats, man. No, you don't. Like, those people went. I mean, they did the Lord's work. They helped catch a killer, but, man, they were not fucking right. No, they weren't. Now, unfortunately, we are limited to what articles that we can find that are in English, but um, I feel like from an American standpoint, that 
little nugget of information is worth putting out there. And for those of you that follow the podcast Unresolved, he makes um, reference to this as well. So on Christmas Day, Yosuka had mentioned to her father-in-law that a strange car had been parked in front of their house. And this is not the first time that it had been parked out there. But actually, this was the third or fourth time. And despite the fact that there was other parking in the area, this person decides to park in front of their house. Yeah, that's just strange. You guys definitely casing the police. And there are also reports of somebody was seen, like a almost a forty-ish looking year, forty-year-old looking guy was walking around the house and like checking it out at some point. Correct? Yes. And you know, just like we've said and you've heard many times, it's these little things that you don't think anything about, but if something happens to you and your family, they all start lining up little like little breadcrumbs. So, just two days before New Year's Eve, there was a man that was spotted at the nearby train station, and there's no way I'm going to try to pronounce that. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a shot, man. Come on, dude. No, 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 no. No, there's so many. No. Come on. It's like, no. Okay. (laughs) Which is basically just a few miles away from where... The Miyazawas was living. Yeah. This man was wearing a, in quotation mark now, skater type outfit, which an eyewitness recalled as being odd due to the weather. They thought that this man, who was wearing a backpack, looked very underdressed. Yeah, and this is the same guy that was seen at a different train station approximately an hour or so away buying a, a sashimi knife. Walked in, bought one a sashimi knife. And that's it. Keep that in mind. Yes. It may come up later. (laughs) And it was purchased at the supermarket. And so you're thinking, well, how many people, I bet it was, you know, probably 100 people bought knives that day. Well, it turns out, no, that it was in that same shopping area that there was only one sashimi knife purchased. They were easily, it was easily traced. (laughs) Again, this same skater in quotation mark, uh, top man is spotted near the Singawa station. That one's a little bit easier. To I couldn't, uh, couldn't really give, um, nobody really said the approximate age of this guy. No, but, uh, well, this one says he's 35 to 40. Oh, okay. And this train station is actually less than a mile away from their home. Mm-hmm. So it appears as though this man, this skater persona is getting closer and closer. And we will post some pictures of the actual house from the skate park side as well as from the street side. Oh, so we get to the day in question. This is Saturday, December the 30th, 2000. Man, this is... Yeah, this is a little brutal. So if you... This takes For some some reason, if y'all have not listened to us (laughs) in 24 episodes, you've not listened to our... (laughs) Our disclaimers. If you have small children in the car, it may not be a good idea for them to hear anything else that we go over Bro, for the like, next 10 minutes. To do what this person did. 
takes just a next level yeah yeah to kill children in any capacity takes somebody with no soul but damn yes proceeds so on Saturday December the 30th at around roughly 6 p.m. local time the family goes shopping and you're not really sure according to what we could research or what we could find in our research if all four members went shopping but supposedly there was an eyewitness that recalled seeing them at the shopping center around this time a neighbor who drove by their house that evening recalled seeing the family car missing at around 6:30 which would lead to some credibility of all of them being at the shopping center so at around 7 p.m. that night Yosuka called next door to her mother Families often use the phone to speak to one another instead of walking in on each other. So they basically viewed themselves at viewed themselves as neighbors. The it is hypothesized that Yozuka had called her mother to see if she wanted to come over and visit her granddaughter, Nainya. And actually she does the grandmother doesn't come over but Nainya goes to their house and they watch a tv program until 9 30 and this is another thing where people are like well what how do you know it's 9 30 well according to the grandmother didn't know what time really exactly it was but she knew what she had watched and according to what she had watched and when it was on you're looking at roughly you know 9 30 p.m so basically, everything's still normal, I guess you could say. And there was another incident at around 10.38 that evening. Mikio opens a password-protected email. And this is at 10.38. He would have to know the password to actually open this email. So you're looking at 20 till 11, and everyone is still alive at this time so at around 10 o'clock there's a witness walking along the park behind their house and this witness states that they heard what they thought was an argument taking place in this inside the house yeah they heard a male and a female voice so they just assumed it was a husband and wife arguing yeah and they said it wasn't like screaming and breaking dishes and stuff like that it was just a very loud conversation and you could tell that, you know, it was just a a friendly, heated argument between <laughs> husband and wife. Around 11.30, a, a member of Yasuka's family next door, either the grandmother or the sister or the sister's husband, heard a loud banging sound come from Yasuka's side. Mm -hmm. Again, this time frame is based on what TV program they were actually watching at the when they heard this it is also around this same time that a neighbor recalled seeing a man hurriedly walking along the path that traveled next to the family's house and these were the only signs that something was going on very strangely in the Miyazawa house and it would not be until the next morning that the grandmother would try and reach 
her daughter. Yeah, she tries to call her and the phone doesn't even ring. So that's definitely uh, very, very, very suspicious. So she's going to actually walk over there. And what she finds, I couldn't imagine being a parent and walk a parent and a grandparent and walking into this. This is just in my ugh. yeah. She she states that she rang the doorbell, no answer, and according to what she told the police later, she used her set of keys to let herself <coughs> into the Miyazawa home. Yeah, she originally states that. Um, she thought it was unlocked, but then she comes back and says she can't recall if it was unlocked or not, or if she used her key. That's what I yeah researched. I saw that too. Uh, so if the door was unlocked, it's hypothesized that the killer actually just walked right out the front door. Yeah. So when she opened the door, there was nothing going on in the house. It was dead silent, and as she entered, she undoubtedly had a sense of apprehension that something was wrong. She began to see the horrors that had occurred. And the first body that she comes to is that of Mikio. And he is at the bottom of the staircase. Yeah. And he is, he is very, very dead. And he has very severe wounds to his neck. He has been stabbed multiple times. Yes, and all of them were around the neck area. And actually come to find out that in the process of stabbing Mr. Miyazawa, the killer breaks his sashimi knife. Oh, I mean, that is like so forceful to break a knife in somebody. And the ra- the amount of rage to... To exert that force is even worse. That is, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yasuka's mother goes upstairs to the second story and she finds her daughter and her granddaughter. Well, she's going to find Ray first. She's going to find him. He is actually, he has actually been strangled. He is not, he is the only one of the four that was not stabbed to death. He's actually going to be strangled. So it's also hypothesized that he was the first victim. Yes. So she finds her daughter and her granddaughter laying lifeless at the bottom of the staircase leading up to basically a loft area that had a bed and a TV and the the daughter would go up there. The granddaughter, I'm sorry, Nainya would go up there and uh, watch TV. And so, again, it's hypothesized that the mother and the daughter were up there when the killer came in and there's two lines of thinking here that either they were the next in line to be killed or the father was the second one to be killed but we'll get into that when we get into the theories of the case however both Nainya and Yasuka were brutally stabbed to death and by brutally I had seen estimates of up to 35 stab wounds to 45 stab wounds per person. Yeah, they are um, even more brutal than uh, the father. They just... The police are going to hypothesize that he's actually... The, the perpetrator is actually a misogynist because of he definitely treats the, the females with much more rage than the males. Yes, and this <laughs> is... Uh, 
you know, this is, if it had happened in the States, this is one of those moments where you know that he has got either some mommy issues or there is a female in his life that has wronged him. Like Coach stated, Ray was the only one that was not stabbed and he had been strangled to death. It is after Yosuka's mother has found all four bodies that she contacts the police. But unfortunately, she had to witness and see things that no human should ever have to see, much less a grandmother finding her daughter and grandkids. Tokyo police do respond to the house, and they are as shocked as Yosuka's mother. This actually would reverberate through the entire city of Tokyo. Knowing that an entire family had been butchered in the dead of a night is probably one of the scariest things that you can imagine. So the police start to go through the crime scene. And they try to piece together what had actually taken place. The odd thing is... The oh, there's family so next many door. Odd well, yeah, but all right, let's there's just so the many first, odd things. The first odd thing is the family next door doesn't hear anything except that one loud thud, which was probably um, Mikio Mikio falling down the stairs or yes. being thrown down the stairs. But yeah, I mean, that's the only thing they hear. Somebody outside hears arguing, but. Yeah, and the arguing, I think, takes place around between 9.30 and 10.30, and then they hear a thud around 11.30. You would believe, with the wounds to all of their bodies, that there would have been screams and agony. And Well, here's the thing, is he breaks the sashimi knife in Mikio. He goes upstairs to kill Yasuko and, what is it, Nainya? How you say Nainya. that? Nainya. Nainya. And he uses that same knife. They're superficial wounds. Yeah. And he realizes that yeah. he was using that knife. So he's going to go downstairs, get a knife from their collection, and come back up and finish the job. And there is a first aid kit used in that loft. And it's got Nainya's blood on it. So Yuzuko was trying to tend to the daughter's wounds. Or the daughter was trying to get her own wounds or her mother's, you know. It was just Nainya's blood. It wasn't. Yuzuko's blood was not on the first aid kit. So, yeah. Well, it, either she was tending to her own wounds or her mother was tending to her wounds. But they were alive. And they stayed. They didn't call out for help. They didn't bang on the walls. They didn't do anything. They could have alerted somebody perhaps they didn't want to jeopardize the safety of her mother or sister or but there's a man over there her her brother-in-law's over there right maybe he could have helped or at the least screaming out it would have caused people to start coming over and yelling and hey is everything okay but like you said you know it's it's crazy well, for, that they just, don't just just the just the fact that you alert someone else, maybe it spooks the guy to run. Maybe they thought he left. Maybe, but I don't know, man. The fact that they're up there and that happens is just very strange it to me. It is strange. What The police would quickly 
determined that the wounds on Mikio had been made by a sashimi knife. And they actually find the knife in the family's kitchen. And that knife was the same knife that we referenced before mm-hmm. that was purchased at the local supermarket. Yeah. Not only does at he train, leave that yeah, knife... At, near a train station yeah. about an hour away. Not only in that does he leave that knife, he leaves the other knife that he went and retrieved from their kitchen covered in blood. Listen, the, the perpetrator of this crime clearly did not give a fuck about anyone trying to figure out who he was. He is going to perpetrate this crime and he's not going to leave. He's going to stay there for hours. He's going to access their computer. He doesn't go to any... He doesn't look up any website. He only opens every website that that family has bookmarked. He goes to their uh, their saved uh, links on their bookmarks and he clicks on every one of them. He sits at their computer and stays there for on it for approximately six and a half minutes. Here's my question. So, and, and I want to stop you there just because if I don't, I'm going to lose this train. I know. I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> but the, fo- the phone line was cut. Mm-hmm. And according to what I had seen online in the year 2000, they were f- too far out of Tokyo to be on a DSL and they would have, or they were too far to be on a cable. So they would have been on a DSL type mm-hmm. modem. So how's he inter- accessing the internet? That That's a great question, but I, I don't, unless have... the internet shared, you know how I, the internet could be shared. Yeah. Possible that I didn't think about that until I just verbalized to you. Well, the person that did this was smart enough to know which phone line to cut. Right. That's pretty, I mean. He only cut the one to the Miyazawa family. Yeah, it could have possibly been on their side, and he just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know shit about phone lines. But, but yeah, he's going to access their computer. He may have, um, I don't know, maybe the bookmark pages just came up and you couldn't access them because he did. One of the bookmarks, um... Mikio had uh, bookmarked was a like a theater type uh, website, and the the guy tried to buy tickets to a show and was unsuccessful. Yes, so, I had seen that. Too. I mean, he's gonna buy tickets to a show using a credit card. Yeah, and they said that in the Mikio house, was extremely he, he perpetrated this crime. Was he gonna go to the show? The cops are gonna be there. This guy didn't care. They he said didn't that care. Mikio was extremely. Um... What do you say? Not prevalent, but active. Mikio was very active in that theater. And I think he volunteered some of his time, and then they also went and watched yeah. plenty of shows there. So there's. Yeah, we didn't mention, we should mention that they, they are saying that the killer entered through an open window on the second floor in, in the bathroom. So I don't know. We just didn't mention that. We probably should have. But. Yeah, but, the, and we'll post a picture of. The back of the house, and it, the back of the house is kind of obscured by some trees, and so people were making a big deal on uh, Reddit and Web Sleuths about what kind of, you know, in shape slash athletic person it would take to leap from the fence to the uh, the window. But looking at the back of that house, it's climb the fucking tree mm-hmm. and slip in. So, um, but one of the another you, odd thing. How do you know that? 
that that's the wind. How do you? How did he even know that that was the window that was open? How do right. You, how do you know that? The other odd thing is they when they find Mikio's body, he's still wearing his work clothes. Mm-hmm. And if he's the one that accessed his secure email at ten thirty eight. Why has he not changed? Because they make a lot of the stuff that I saw that they make a huge deal out of the fact that he was still in his business clothes. Yeah. And that most Japanese will come home and change out of their work attire. Well, I mean, he worked from home. Maybe that is his. Maybe so. Maybe that is his home attire. Well, you're right. I mean, in the picture of the family, he is wearing what we would call a business casual three button shirt. Yeah khaki pants and loafers well my you know i certainly the moment i walk in my door Got my work naked. clothes yeah naked yeah my work clothes <laughs> my work clothes don't make it past the pantry no. i mean the laundry room like they just if i can't get my hands on a pair of gym shorts in the summertime and a t-shirt or a like, pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt in the wintertime like my shoes sometimes don't even make it in the house like i had a guy when i was in college i lived right next door to him we both lived we should there was a split basement lived in this old man's basement he had made two apartments he wore his what he wore work boots like wolverine type whatever carhartt i don't know carhartt make boots now they do okay good that's how manly i am (laughs) um he wore boots to work he worked he he, he did uh car loans like title pawn but he wore work boots i don't know and a three-button shirt and khaki pants this weird son bitch. I love the guy though. Good dude. But this weird son bitch wouldn't even take his work boots off till he went to bed. Fuck that. I'm like, are you? You're a you're, you're psycho. You're, yeah. you're a psychopath, man. Yeah. Like, literally the moment I walk walk in the door. Anyway, that's a little tangent. Sorry about that. But so the killer is in no hurry. He does not give two shits about his identity being discovered. Because he's he live he leaves DNA everywhere. Yeah, he had cut himself. His blood is found in the home. I believe he's found on the murder weapons. It's found on feminine napkins that he throws in the bathtub. Yeah, along with a bunch of other shit. Yeah, he takes like um, he eats four ice cream sandwiches. Oh, he eats way more than that. He basically eats all their ice cream. And then he takes a shit in the bathroom. Why he had to spoil the the big reveal? <laughs> well, here's the best part, and I think this is why I want to go ahead and bring it up. He takes a shit in the bathroom, and according to how you read these articles, I don't believe the boy wiped. Now I know over there they have bidets, <laughs> but the police go as far as to examine his fecal matter to determine yeah. what meal he He had. doesn't flush. Like, what kind of a person? He stays in this house from anywhere between 2 and 10 hours. Takes a nap on Takes their couch. Takes a nap on their couch. Drinks all their soda. Consumes barley tea, which is delicious, by the way. Basically, barley tea is unfermented beer. I've had it. It's really good. When I used to homebrew, I'd drink some, but, you know, get a cup right before I'd put it in the fermenter. Man, it's good. He, uh, 
and consumes all their soda, like 10 to 12 sodas or something like that, eats all their ice cream, drinks barley tea, eats melon, takes a nap on their sofa, accesses their computer, accesses the internet uh, at 1.18 a.m., and then again at 10 a.m., which is right about the time the mother comes in. And they say that um, it could have been the mother accessing it by accident. He leave, When he leaves, he takes the cord with him. Yeah. He unplugs their computer and takes the cord. He, on the computer itself, there are no fingerprints. He wiped that computer down to get rid of fingerprints, but he leaves his blood is on Mikio. His blood is on towels. His blood is on feminine napkins or maxi pads. Mm-hmm. And he throws all those into the tub along with uh, papers. Um, ice cream wrappers. Ice cream wrappers and papers from Mikio's work. Leaves them all in the, um, the tub. Takes a giant shit. Doesn't flush. Yeah. And then leaves, literally leaves, his entire outfit. Yes. And the outfit, and we will also post it, he was wearing a pair of Slazenger tennis shoes, roughly 11-inch models. Um, and there's a key to those tennis shoes that we'll, we'll come back to. He is wearing what I what we call in the States the old Raglan T-shirt. It's a white T-shirt with different colored sleeves. It's yeah, a black blue. You're blue, I believe, dark, either dark blue or black. Right. Well, they said purple, so it could I mean, be purple too. They find a ironed handkerchief, and then he has a multicolored scarf along with a hip bag. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know what a hip bag is, it's a super fancy fanny pack. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It's like a really big fanny pack. Um, and it's a big thing over there. He had a, what I call, uh, the old bucket, um, golf hat, which they called a crusher hat. Mm -hmm. Um, they find this multicolored scarf. He, they found some kind of, uh, like grip tape. Yes. Like skater tape. Yeah. Skater tape. But... It's possible that that was just a red herring that they said that that was going to be just a distraction. It was left there to confuse the police. That's something I read about. But dude left everything. <laughs> yeah, and he fa- here's the here's he left, the he left footprints outside. He left his entire fucking outfit. He just and they here's the thing. They found that the clothing had been washed in hard water, meaning that the water to clean the clothing was full of minerals and vitamins that's not usually found in the regular occurring water of Japan. Mm-hmm. It's but it is found in South Korea. Yes. Now they are also, um, like we said, he did leave behind his poop. And they are going to analyze that, like you've mentioned. And they find out what he had for dinner. And it was like uh, string beans and sesame, something like that. Sesame seeds and string beans, yeah. yeah. And they hypothesize that it was a poor, quick meal. It's essentially a traditional meal that a mother would make for their son. 
Now, so they hypothesize that perhaps this guy still lives with his mother. Maybe he just likes sesame seeds and string beans. But, I mean, of course, you know, he could have made it himself. But it is a, it is a definitely an odd an meal. Odd meal for somebody that they're describing, a 45-year-old man. They also stated that on the handkerchief that they found, that there was traces of the panty-dropping cologne Dracar Noir. <laughs> and for those of you that didn't grow up in the late 80s, early 90s, you don't know what kind of panty-dropper Dracar Noir was. <laughs> I mean, another Kieran, man. You, you, you're talking to, you're starting to talk real good. Talking real good. Well... <laughs> No, but well, all joking aside, they do find that cologne on the handkerchief, and they make a huge note about it. Which is so, no, because I'm, I guarantee you that cologne in 2000 was not very popular no. in Japan. It just couldn't be. It wasn't very popular over here in 2000, except I have a friend of mine that used to wear it maybe up until like 2005. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you need to lay off that shit. <laughs> well. So the hip bag is extremely either significant or like you say coach a red herring well i don't think it's a red herring i do think it was owned by the killer i I think it was on the killer when he got there but it may lead you on a trail that's insignificant to me because okay so they're gonna find sand in this bag and apparently which i was fascinated by this sand is special yeah they can find if you have one grain they can tell you within 50 to 100 miles of yeah where that shit came from they can trace it all the way to within 50 miles of its location that is amazing to me and why this is important is because guess where that sand is from drum roll Edwards Air Force Base. In the southwestern United States. It is about an hour north of Los Angeles in California. California. And that's why there's going to be um, a theory that it was an actual United States military personnel. But here's the thing. The reason why I'm saying it could be very significant or not significant at all because it's rumored that this is a skater Thing. Like the guy, the outfit the guy the, the guy was wearing is more of a skater outfit. Uh, they find skater tape. They do all these things. They find all these things. Well, it was also um, pretty well known that those type of people would steal things from the the nearby uh, military base. Yeah, and also they. My thing is when I heard about the military and the sand and all of that. Um, my mind goes directly to eBay or a thrift shop. Well, because here's the thing. If you were stationed over there and you had this hip bag, as you could have given it to anybody. You could have, you know, sold it. That's true. And, I mean, there is a, there is a, a military base close by. I mean, I bought plenty of shit from Japan. It takes forever to get here. <laughs> 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 Usually it has to do with lasers. And- Listen, 
Sharks. How trusting, like, how, like, um, trustworthy the Japanese are. I bought one thing off eBay. They released Pink Floyd Live in Pompeii on DVD. And I saw it on eBay and I was like, holy shit, it's awesome. And so, it was from Japan, so I bought it. Sent cash money to somewhere in bum fucking Japan. And about a month later, I got a DVD in the mail. I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. It actually worked. It actually came. Swear to God. Got the DVD. <laughs> I was living in Delonica at the time. Uh, when I went to, when I was in college, DVD came, opened it, watched it. The next day, I go to Walmart for whatever. Walk by the DVDs. Guess what's sitting there? Pink Floyd, live from Pompeii. <laughs> Just took, we were a month behind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, so I don't know why I brought that up, but uh, they're very oh, trusting. Oh, oh yeah, you were talking about buying shit from uh, from uh, Japan. So there is an Air Force base nearby, so it could possibly have been an airman. Yeah, and but, to strengthen that tie, they state that that with the the handkerchief being ironed, that that leads to a military background. Mm, maybe, uh, maybe, but I'm I'm not really maybe. But I know some slobs, and we worked <laughs> with one that carried handkerchiefs, and before they started blowing their noses on them, they were pressed. I don't recall this person. He used to come in there and ask you a question every day during your planning period. Your neighbor. <laughs> what? Yes. Sloth? You mean Southern Alabamian? Yes. <laughs> damn sloth. <laughs> no damn sloth. <laughs> Slug. But anyway. Well, they're I going did. to do, uh, with all the DNA left behind, they're going to do a, uh, a sequence and they're going to find out where this man is from, he is actually biracial. His, yes, his DNA said he is half East Asian and half Southern European, near the Mediterranean or Adriatic Sea. So he's also East Asian, and he's most likely a Korean. Yes. And so this would lead some people to hypothesize that he was in the Korean military. If he grew up in Korea, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think all Korean males have to serve in the military. I believe you're correct. So that's not really a big deal for them to, you know, that's not a huge leap for them to say he was in the military. But you're going to be half Korean, half South European, and you're living in Japan or you're in Japan, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And that's not the description of the man that bought the um, the sashimi, sashimi knife. No. It's not going to be a description of anybody that was uh, seen in the car stalking or walking around. It's, there's not going to... Well, one of the other... Um... So maybe if you mix a Korean and South European, you get somebody that looks Japanese. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, the other thing is he doesn't match the details of a man that basically police would state that at roughly six hours after they had discovered the bodies of the Miyazawa family, a young man in his 30s, I believe is what the article said, walked into the Tubo Nikyo station, which is a few hours north of Setagaya, 
and had a severe laceration on his hand, walked in, refused to give his name, was admitted. When asked about how he did, how he injured himself, he wouldn't say. It, the injury was severe enough that it had exposed bone on his hand. Sheesh. Yeah. And they stated that the staff at the medical center at the train station were... This stuck out to them because it said the man was kind of nonchalant about how he was treating his injury. And they thought that that was extremely suspicious. Now, is that the same train station that the knife was bought at the few days before? It, it, the article didn't stay, say, but he said that he uh, the man that they that had cut himself was um, wearing a black down jacket and jeans. Hmm. But basically, they fix him up you without know, I, him giving his name or what happened. And I didn't see. So any, yeah. I didn't see anything reported that Mikio had clothes missing either. Yeah. So this guy had to leave wearing something. He didn't just run out naked. So. Well, and we go back to, and this strengthens your Korean tangent or Korean theory. I don't. It's not really a theory. I guess is uh, the Slazenger shoes. They were of a specific Korean shoe size, um, and basically would have only been first found for sale in South Korea. Hmm. And this strengthens the ethnicity of the well, blood type. And also, the shirt is not a very um, widely sold shirt. In fact, there was only a hundred and thirty of those shirts sold in Japan. And they tried to track down every single person that bought one, but they only were able to track down like 12 of them. And they didn't have anything to do with this. But there's also a report that once the bodies are discovered and the police are on the scene, there's going to be a cab driver that comes forward. Yeah, this is odd. He's going to say that he picked up three men. All, of, all three were above the age of 30. And one of the three men left behind traces of blood in his back seat. He noted that none of the men talked the entire drive. And he found that very suspicious. And he told the police that. However, the blood in the back seat, they tried to trace it and there was been no connection to the murders. So that's very odd. He said he picked them up very close by to their the to the um the house, the Miyazawa house, but again, it was just a dead end because, though it was very odd, the blood, in fact, was not the blood of the murderer. No, and with all of this evidence, with all of the blood evidence from the killer, his clothes, all the other, him taking a shit in the house and not flushing it... The cops have basically no suspects. And he had he also left a what was described as a perfect fingerprint. He left fingerprints, partial prints all over the house, but they're gonna find one perfect fingerprint on a towel. Yeah, and as we stated earlier, he took a fucking nap on their couch while there's four dead bodies in the house. Yeah. That's a next level some odd behavior. Up shit. Yeah, some odd behavior to say the least. Um But yeah, they're going to uh here's the 
most what the fuck moment of the entire case is they have the perfect fingerprint. They have his DNA. They have his blood. They have his fecal matter. They have everything possible. And right, you know, a couple months later, 9-11 happens. So everyone starts heightening the security of people coming and going into, into different countries. Everyone has been improved. Every police department in the world has been improving and improving and improving their technology and their techniques and their their fingerprinting and the tracing of fingerprints, the tracing of blood, the tracing of DNA, blah 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 blah, all these things. And this guy's never popped up again. Never. No fingerprint. No DNA. Nothing. This has all the makings of a fucking serial killer in training. A complete, utter psychopath. And he just doesn't do anything. Like you were saying, this man is basically a spook. I mean, you would think that he would pop up again. Yeah. But he... I don't know how their culture works over there, but I know, like, here, if you get a new job that has any outside of the food service, well, even food service, you have to be fingerprinted. Listen, over... They, now, everything I read and researched, they have pointed out an astronomical number of detectives that they say have worked this case. Which, if this is true, for a country with that low of a crime rate to have 250,000 <laughs> detectives is amazing. That, that has been, in my research, I found that there has been up to and exceeding 250,000 detectives on this case at, at one point or another. To this day, January 3rd, 2020, there are still 40 detectives assigned to this case full-time. Full-time. And they still have no freaking idea who this guy is. No, and the one theory out there was after sleeping in their home, on their couch, that the police had suspected that this was some kind of robbery and basically he took 150,000 yen, which was... About a thousand, thousand American dollars. dollars yeah. yeah. But the thing is, there was more money in Mikio's study mm-hmm. than that. And also, he would have taken valuables from the home. Mm-hmm. So this was not a robbery gone bad. Um. I don't, it's just, it is extremely, extremely odd. Now, the most prevalent theory is that this was one of the people that Mikio had been arguing with at the skate park. Essentially a skateboarder. What kind of argument is going to be enough for For you you to brutally brutally murder four people? Not only four people. I could see them stabbing him if it was an argument between a biker gang or the skaters. But to kill two small children? I mean, come on. I I mean, I know a bunch... Back then, I knew a bunch of skaters, and that's not their... It's not their game, man. Well, you know, I mean... Maybe there was a psychopath in that group. I mean, but this was True. not this was not perpetrated by somebody that was just angry about an argument. 
One it of, could have been a crazy psychopathic motherfucker that Mikio happened to have an argument with. You know, you get, yeah, you get yeah. the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this was more than just an argument. Now, one of the more fucked up theories out there was that this was meth deal gone bad, and web sleuths. There was a whole thread about red dye being found at the crime scene, and this uh, little red dye is the fact that um, some kind of red dye is used in making meth. Yeah, they're, they're gonna they're gonna disprove. Oh, it's that. red dye, or red phosphorus, or red yeah, they're eye gonna, dye. They're gonna disprove. Yeah, that. and they shoot that all to shit. They're now. actually gonna find out that that was from the highlighters from the daughter. Yeah. She was coloring with. That's yeah. That's not. And then another one was another fucked up theory was uh, all of the family's Christmas cards were missing. Well, the reason they were missing, folks, is because the police took all of them well, and they true. contacted those well, people to see if they knew of any enemies. That's possible. I mean, that's very that's highly probable. But I know in my house that my wife lovingly puts every Christmas card we get on the fridge. And then afterwards, and then as soon as the, the as soon as Christmas is over, she takes them down. She don't. She got. A, she has a box that she puts them all in, but we don't trash them. But they come off the fridge. Uh, they come off the fridge the very next day, if not the same day as Christmas. So that that's not very weird to me. So the next theory, of course, is going to assume that it's an American serviceman. But I don't buy the American serviceman. Well, I mean, well. Me back up before I piss off even more people. <laughs> it is probable that there was an American serviceman, but again, this is a ghost town. This would have had to have been an argument that only Mikio and this serviceman would have gotten into. But like you stated, he worked from home a lot, so well, it couldn't even. It could have possibly not even been. Uh, could have been in the an argument. An argument. It could have just been a crazy motherfucker that crazy American serviceman that decided, hey, you know, I'm going to... Kill a whole family. I'm on vacation, you know. What's the next thing to do when you're on vacation is uh, murder four people. Now, going to the... Touching on your cab story about the three men, a lot of people feel like that the this kind of was a rabbit that the police shouldn't have chased that this may have led them down the wrong path and gave the actual perpetrator longer time to get away. Um, now, why it, it does lead credence that it may have been more than one killer with, was the door open? Did he jump in, strangle the boy, attack? The father let them in, and then they attacked the daughter and the mother. Um, I just wish there was a way for us to get more of the local newspapers. I would love to have seen the mother's, Yosuka's autopsy. Did she have defensive wounds? Were the knife, was the stab wounds... Where were they located on her body? Was she trying to protect her daughter? You know, were they attacked at the same time? Those kind of questions is something I would like to have seen. Um, what the fuck did he wear out of there? Is my question. He takes off his entire outfit and puts them. Did he put them in the washing machine or did he just leave it there? He just left them. So does he walk out butt naked with a back with the 
I mean, either he had clothes with him that he changed into, or he stole. That's what I'm thinking. I think he had clothes in that hip bag. Yeah, it's possible. I'm fairly sure that that is uh, that's exactly what happened. There was a journalist in. Uh, forgive me for not referencing the correct uh, newspaper article, but a journalist had claimed that police were investigated early on that the killer may have left sometime during the night and returned. Hmm. But this goes along with the multiple killer theory. Um, why? You know, we know that somebody spent the night on the couch. Um, but again, they're just, this is just an odd, fucked up case. Some people lead down the the path that, that you kind of referenced earlier about the, um, the backpack was a red herring or the hip bag. I'm sorry, not backpack, hip bag. I don't think it was a red herring. I just think that it... I mean, just like you, I, I assume that it could have been stolen. You assume that it could have been bought somewhere. It, and it, that those two things are possible. It's possible that he is a military man and he did leave it. And, I mean, I just don't see enough evidence to steer myself into the direction of it is definitely American servicemen because of this hip back. I just don't. What do you have been? I, I don't see that as being um, proof positive enough to me. You know what I'm trying to say? No, I agree. I mean, it could be. I'm not saying just because I'm American. Right? No, no, no. I'm, that's what I'm I want to you say. You can't blame the American. Yeah. I mean, we've done some messed up stuff, but I mean, yeah, I mean, two very messed up things <laughs> over there. <laughs> Sorry, that's just. Uh, but it's just not enough. For me to go, yeah, that was he's a military serviceman because he had that hip back. That's just not enough for me. Now, police, as of December the 30th, 2015, had actually, some of the detectives had lined up from the local police station and paid their respects in front of the current home that had, right before it was demolished, um, doing a prayer vigil outside of it, vowing to find the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. But as of 2015, there's still nothing leading to a specific perpetrator or couple of, of good unsubs, I guess is a better way to say it. According to the investigation headquarters, uh, by December 29th of 2015, they had received almost, no, not almost, exactly, 12,545 pieces of information related to the case, of which 324 had come in the year of 2015. Hmm. Now, unlike America, the statute of limitations for murder would have expired according to the Metropolitan Police Department. You're saying, oh, unlike America, yeah. I was about to say, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, the, they're actually going to petition to remove that. Yes, and I think it was actually abolished in 2010. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, whether or not... Mostly because of this case. Yes, 
because they want, you know, if they do get a break, they want to find the perpetrator. Um, they are still asking for information, and they have a Japanese news article that leads you to a phone number. And as of 2015, now I don't know if she's still alive or not, but the grandmother, and her name was Setsuko, was 884. She wanted to tell people that they, if you have any information, please come forward, or if you are the killer in here, her boys, please turn yourself in. All right, so let's get into the prevalent theories. So I think there's um, what do you think? Three prevalent theories. There is the skater slash biker gang theory that he pissed someone off. Mm-hmm. There's the three men in the cab. There is the man at the train station. And that's basically it because they, they couldn't find any um, enemies of either one. Um, going back to the outfit, let's just, I think we've kind of just jumped all over that. So let's, here's exactly what he left behind. There were a pair of Slazinger tennis shoes with Korean sizes, basically an 11-inch shoe size. A dark green hip bag, a black ironed handkerchief, a crusher hat or the bucket hats, what we call it in the States, a multicolored scarf, a down jacket, and black winter gloves. And supposedly the Dracar Noir were the was the favorite cologne of the skaters. Uh, police did state that the closest train station, the Ogikubu station, had a shopping center that some of these items could have been purchased at, but they couldn't find anybody buying these items. Mm -hmm. In 2000, the police released that the killer was approximately five foot seven and had a waist of approximately 32 and a half inches. They go as far as to state the brand of sashimi knife, and it was a Yangahara Hawatari. We've already touched on the genetic makeup, uh, some of the trace evidence with the sand and things like that. We'll put some links on our uh, social media. There's one link that we will... uh, put up there it's supposed to be a 3d model of their house the skaters slash biker gang did he get into an argument heated enough that someone could have gotten so pissed off that they came back and killed his entire family it's plausible i like your theory i like your tangent on couldn't have even it could have been as simple as the person he got in an argument with wasn't the one that did it. Was He just happened to get into an argument when there was a fucking complete psychopath in the group. Yeah, it wasn't. The argument didn't cause this. Arguing with a psychopath could have caused this, but the yeah. argument wasn't the reason. Somebody just looking for a reason. Yeah, it's... it's. Ugh. But anyway, all right, let's, so, so we go to the multiple killer theory. This would be more of a blitz attack. You would have had someone come in, the second story window, strangle the 
the sun. But according to that, you would have gone upstairs to the the daughter and the wife and downstairs to the husband. Did they go upstairs first and then he hears a commotion, the thud, and he comes up? Or is it vice versa? Did Do they go after him first? No, I think Ray is killed first. Yeah, I think that's established that he, everyone thinks He's it. strangled and he's dead. And in some fashion, there, there, there's some sort of commotion, some sort of noise that alerts Mikio, and he comes up, and he is murdered because he's got to be—he's got to be next because the knife breaks. That's true. His, the knife breaks. Yeah, I mean, the right. knife breaks inside the man. Yeah. And that is—he goes even harder on the women. Like that's just crazy. Yeah, he the the thing with the women that's a whole nother level of rage. Or I just I don't know. It's it's alright, so we get to what was the third one? Serviceman. <laughs> you can't even remember your own theory. I know, I'm such a bad person. <laughs> so we get to the serviceman uh US serviceman theory again we're not saying that it's not possible i just i go back to the fingerprint evidence i don't know what the current policy is but i would assume that in a murder situation like this anyone working at that military base the japanese would have access to their fingerprints of course they would that's very true well, I mean, I don't know. Is it? I don't know, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, I don't know how. But I think our our relationship with Japan is well enough established that there would be. I could see that being a policy that they would have access to those military. I think in a murder investigation, I think they would probably cooperate, and especially if they're like, "Hey, you got any half Korean, half uh, yeah, Southern European dudes laying around?" I'm fairly sure if it was a if it was a serviceman, they would have found him. Know what I'm saying? Oh, there's documentaries, but are all in Japan, Japanese. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and actually, the family is going to sue um, one of the TV stations that did uh, a documentary, saying that they misrepresented the facts. They misrepresented, um, and they misrepresented her, the older sister of Yasuko, and. So kind of in, in, in implicating that she may have done it uh, because they insinuated that um, the killer killed them out of resentment of course we haven't seen um, we haven't seen the documentary we don't speak Japanese we uh, but yeah there are documentaries out there there are several um, other uh podcast or several YouTube videos if you're interested in getting more just look it up man what time did the the mother stated that she went over there or tried to call around 11.30 no it was about 10.30 in the morning yeah so my thing is he could have if it uh, let's just go single killer theory now Uh, we're going to get into our I guess we can get into ours because we're just chasing this all around the room I'm going I'll start it with, I'm going single killer theory, but my thing is, he's next level psychotic. 
He could have just walked out the Listen. door after eight or nine o'clock after everybody goes to work. There's not but two other houses on yeah. that street. He knows the mother-in-law or whoever's next door. Either they've left the the dog, the sister and the sister's husband has left, and only the mother is there, and so he knows she's not left. And so he just walks out the fucking front door and walks down the street and gets yeah, on the train. That's exactly what happens. I, I I don't think he goes back in the skate park. Here's the. It's definitely a single killer, for sure, because if I'm with you, well, like you said in the last podcast, three men can keep a secret. If two of them are dead. Exactly. But even more so beyond that, if I'm with you and we just killed this family, you just go drop a deuce. And you don't flush? And I'm going to at least make you fucking flush it. Hey, fucking flush that. That's stinks. <laughs> like, you ate all the goddamn <laughs> ice cream anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> no worry, you got shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quite upset with you if you don't throw, flush the toilet, clean your blood up, take, like leave all your clothes. I'd be like, Arlo, really? You're gonna leave your fucking <laughs> your fanny pack? You're gonna leave your fanny pack? I thought you liked that fanny pack. I bought you that. Fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> We're not trying to make light of this, but you know, like some several podcasts have stated in the past, there's some deep, dark, fucked up shit that we have, you know, researched in this case, and it's hard to just get that out of your mind. So we go to comedy, we go to being inappropriate. Yeah. I, I, it's so. We're not trying to offend anybody. No, we're not. We're, we have offended many people. Yes, we have. And we have heard about it. And she, hey, I didn't tell you. Sidebar, crazy lady suspended her Facebook account. It's no longer available. <laughs> Don't call her crazy. She just, you know. Misunderstood. <laughs> All right, so with our little theory there, in December of 2015, a true crime author in Japan released a book titled The Setagaya Family Murder Case, and he released it in English. His name is Fumiyama, and I'm not going any further. Ikiyashi. That's what we're going to say. In his book, he has a suspect, and he calls him R. Yeah, he doesn't reveal his name. And he says that he is a former member of the South Korean military. So Fumiyama, or Fumiya, uses the evidence... And he states that the dirt left behind, along with traces of the sand, no, I'm sorry, dirt left behind, that he traced the dirt back to a Korean province where his suspect R had lived. Yeah. He's actually, and he's also going to claim that he is going to track this man down and get his fingerprints. And get his fingerprints, like, and they match perfectly. Match perfectly, but. He can't name him because that would be liable and he would be subject to, you know, a litigation. But your fingerprint matches his, the fingerprint you got from him matches the fingerprint left at the scene. You turn that shit over to police, they arrest the man. Bingo, bingo, case solved. Yes. But since there is no bingo, bingo, and there's no case solved, I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, I am too. So. 
whether R really exists or not, I'm calling horseshit. So we'll get into the motive for our single killer theory. I think we're both on agree- in agreement with single killer. Motive? I have no damn idea. I mean, he could have just been fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He could have been Green River Killer driving down the road or walking down the road in Japan and happened to see someone from the family that he didn't want any part of. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything else that you want to speak about on this there case? Well, of the cases that we've covered, this person is by far the craziest. We've covered murders where people were drugged up, thinking they were going to rob rich people, they didn't happen to have anything. We've covered murders where it was clearly somebody was jealous and angry and murdered out of hatred. We've covered cases where people have claimed to be tied down with barbed wire, with bombs strapped to them. But this guy takes the cake. This guy is by far, in my opinion, the craziest of all the cases we've covered because there's something wrong with this man. And to stab someone to death is an up-close-and-personal, brutal way to murder someone. Yeah, that's just like the Joker says in The Dark Knight. People to reveal who they really are when you're stabbing them. Like, yeah. Is anyone can shoot somebody. As long as you can aim and pull the trigger, you can take somebody's life with a gun. But to take someone's life with a knife is up close in up person. close personal and the the man that perpetrated this crime did it with such violence and hatred that if he did not truly know these people then he had a vendetta or whatever then he was just simply crazy I truly just think that I think it's random, honestly. See, and I, I kind of lead to that too. I, I don't, I don't think the the window was open because it was December, January. Um, it was definitely unlocked. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Does he? How does he know that window is unlocked? Is my thing. How does he not gain entry? As they're coming back from the market. It just... It, that's... Well, who knows when he gained entry? Well, he, true. I, I mean, he, he could have been laying out. in wait. You're right. The house is very oddly put together, to say the least. If you look up on um, the Unresolved... Uh, the, that podcast has actually done an episode on it. And on his website... He has the layout of the house. He has a model of it. And it, there's definitely places you could stow away and hide and not be found for a few hours. True. But So he may have came in um, a different way, but it, the theory is that he did enter on the second floor window in the bathroom. With a candlestick. <laughs> no. I mean, no. No joking. Or all joking aside, that, that's my one big hang-up is... How did he make entry? When did he make entry? So, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm at a loss, to be honest with you. I, I have no, other than the single theory, single killer theory, I really don't have any idea. And, I, and it may just be the fact that we don't have access to all of the, the articles that are available over there. Again, I would love any of our Japanese listeners that can get a document translated to English if you have access to the autopsy so that we know the wounds of the mother. I, I would love to know that. Was she protecting the daughter? That kind of sounds morbid, but it it would just... As a parent, I guess my thing is I would want to know... Well, they're found in a bloody heap yeah. together. Like, they are... In, what I what I read was described as intertwined. Yeah, if any anyone listening in Japan would like for us to do a live show on site, if they would like to fund that, <laughs> and you know buy, if you'd some like plane, to send up some pain tickets. Some, we'll go over there. Some pain, <laughs> some pain tickets. Some pain tickets. I get me some new tune. <laughs> so yeah, if you would like to fund a trip over there, we I would. M- love to come over there i'm getting my passport next week from a trip to london in june so i can just parlay that right into a trip to japan all right coach do you have uh anything else that you want to bring up about the case i think um, we've I think exhausted we co- of our all I think of we our covered angles. it pretty good i mean i mean I'm, we could always do better but i think this was a pretty good episode I think we got a whole bunch of what the fucks in there, but man, it's just it's just crazy. It is crazy. This is an Something odd, like odd it. case. This is tied to a lot of people tie this on Reddit to the uh farmhouse murders where the whole family was killed over the Hinterkaifeck. It? Yes, the Hinterkaifeck or the the Basilica Axe murders the because that well, no, the Basilica Axe murders the guy stayed there too. Yeah, well, that's true. Hinterkaifeck, the guy stayed there for days. Yeah, fucked up days. Like, like he stayed there for days and days and actually fed the animals and stuff. Like, yeah. kill the whole family. And then, just but you gonna take care of the animals? Yeah. <laughs> uh, odd, but okay. All right, coach. Uh, you got any recommendations? Well, I'm going to recommend the Unresolved podcast because they did a lot of the work for us. They, uh, I'm going to have to listen. I, I looked, I saw this website. And I looked for uh, this episode on iTunes. I didn't find it. I only found like three episodes uh, about this on iTunes. And I listened to all three of them. But I'm going to have to give this one a listen too. Because I'm certain just by looking at his website and the amount of stuff that is he or she's website. I apologize. The amount of stuff just on this case is amazing. So I'm certain that they did a good job on the podcast. So yeah, if if you get a chance, if you're in your car, you want to hear more about this, try to try to get the Unresolved podcast. Give them a listen. That is my recommendation. What about you, there, Arlo? Well, I am going to totally, totally go off rails in my uh, recommendation. I have actually two recommendations from the same company. Mm. The first recommendation, and let me get this out of the way. Let me back up for a second. My recommendation is the Abita Brewing Company out of Abita Springs, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I tried their Hop 99, mm-hmm. and it is a 99 calorie Didn't bring light me IPA. Didn't bring me one. 2.4 carbs. Didn't bring you one. Did not bring you one, Didn't. but I will. Okay. And 
for it to be in light IPA is 4.2% ABV. It is very good. It is an easy drinking, very good. It reminds me of a lighter version of Founders IPA. All day IPA. All day IPA. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's good. Really? Yeah. I was, I've never had anything really bad from a beta, but I was pleasantly surprised. The other thing, if you can procure it, and we cannot, but I have seen this on their website, Abita has come out with a king cake soda made from pure cane sugar. Oh, I want to try that. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I love king cake. Fucking sign me up I for would that be diabetes. A, yeah, diabetes <laughs> in, a, in a bottle. <laughs> sign me up for that. Find that shit. The, Man, I I got get... a, I've got a feeling that this will be out until Mardi Gras. But yeah, if I can, if I can find it. I'm going to buy a six-pack of it. Uh, it is gluten-free. It is caffeine-free. So all you keto freaks out there can grab you a six-pack of the King Cake Soda. Listen, you're not going to convince me that keto's a good diet. I mean, come on. putting I've seen people putting butter in their damn coffee. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. How are you going to put butter in your coffee? Mm-mm. No, I ain't putting butter in my coffee. <laughs> But that are, that 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 are is a uh, is my recommendation. No, <laughs> go out if you've never tried to beat a beer, just pick one. They're they're really all of them are great. They have a pecan lager, they have a strawberry lager that's very light and crisp with a hint of strawberry at the very end. They are it used to be a seasonal brew, but they are now mass producing it. Mm-hmm. The Hop Ninety Nine is very good. I was pleasantly surprised at how easy drinking that was. The Andy Gator is a heavy, heavy IPA. Purple Haze is good. You know, I just really haven't found anything that Abita makes that's horrible. But uh, I'm not a huge fan of Abita. You really not, not? To be honest with you, I'm not. That's but, amazing. I mean, I, you hand me one, I ain't going to say, say no. Yeah. <laughs> There's always three types of beers. Yours in a can, yours in a bottle, yours on tap, and free. Okay, so that's your that's three. That's my three. That's your three. Yeah, that's. I a, may have may or not have had too many Kirin. That's some quality mathematics. Um, so uh, that's, that's some quality mathematics right there. That's quality Georgia education, folks. If anybody in Louisiana is listening, and by the time this drops, it will be after the national championship. Which LSU's going to win in a walk. I hope. But if anybody out there would like to send us some Abita King Cake Soda, we will gladly take it. Oh, absolutely. Just reach out to us on our uh, Gmail account. Just reach out to us anyway, man. I, I would love to hear, see some interactions from the people that actually listen. We're Just, getting some more traffic on uh, our Facebook page. Really? We do yeah. have, well, you you don't you haven't made me an admin to that yet, I'm so sorry. I can't. I keep forgetting if you do that, I'm the dumbass that'll actually spend money to boost these posts, dude. <laughs> we get some people listening. That is true. So please tell a friend, telephone, tell iTunes five star review. Oh, that'd be awesome. You, if you give us an uh, iTunes five star review, we will certainly uh, read it out. Read it on on the podcast. You will get a shout out. But truth be told. We've read every review. Yeah, we, we even read that one star. That, that lady I wish she would come back. Come on, give us some. Lady, if you're still out there, if you still gave us a chance, please just let us know if we've improved. 
We would love to know that. And if we have, <laughs> even if we've made it to three stars, I would feel much better. <laughs> but, yep, tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Do we have a topic for next week yet? Yeah, I think we do. Don't we? We may be going to Malta. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to Malta. Either that or we're going to do Leah Roberts. That's right. But until then. Deuces.